guys. This is the Salted Tree, and uh, we like in addition to our uh, previous episode, which was supposed to be our last episode of the year. A lot of things that have happened, to say the least, between that that day and today, and we decided to have us an additional episode to discuss the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the uh, protests and everything that has gone on in the past week. We were hoping to have this like as more of a discussion for the people who are also on this call. Can everybody just like introduce themselves? All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Ben, um, one of the members of the Salted Tree. I really wish that we didn't have to make episodes like this, but I feel like it's an important um, thing to talk about. And we really want to make sure that we have our voices heard. Um, I really wish that we were at school right now because I feel like uh, this would really be a chance for us to bring uh, our community together and to become rallied for the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's really uh, unfortunate that we have to do it through uh, these circumstances, but I'm still glad that we're doing it at all. So. Uh, all right. So I'm Sklar and I, I just came here to, to talk about what's going on and try to have some. I'm Zoel. Um I'm, I'm also, like Ben said, it's not great that we have to make something like this, but it's very important that we can come together and talk about something like this. And I think it's definitely worth it to come out. And even though we technically ended before. I'm Ziki. I'm a junior boarder. Um, I just came to talk because I heard a lot of outrage and I felt a lot of outrage as well um, from my community and people who look like me. So I wanted to have a discussion um, in person because uh, prior to this, all I've, all I've done is really text people about it. So I wanted to hear what people had to say about it face to face. Yeah, my name is Mari. Um, you know, just talking to my friends. Um, hi, I'm Jacob. I'm also a junior boarder, but I'm not too well educated on this subject or uh, any of the things that are going on right now. And I'm just here to listen to some opinions and figure out where I stand on any of these issues that are going on. All right, I'm Angelo, and uh, I'm just here to talk. So I'm Gabby, I'm a junior boarder, and I'm also very outraged. If you follow any of my social medias, you will know. Hi everyone, I'm Shelby Lynn Williams. I am a junior day student, and I felt compelled to come on today just because I feel as though I have a lot of opinions on this topic, and I've studied the history of some of these issues extensively, rather. Um, so I feel compelled to share my voice. Um, I'm I Dallas. I'm a junior boarder. And I'm just here to talk, hear some different opinions and speak on my opinions about everything that's going on right now. Hi, guys. Uh, this is Scott. I am the proud faculty sponsor of the Salted Tree. I thought our season was over, but I'm really happy it's not because this is such an important time in our shared history. And I hope to, to hold the space and listen and learn. And I look forward to this conversation. The first thing I think all of us kind of agree, what happened in Minneapolis is nothing short of heinous and atrocious and all the adjectives you can use. It's terrible that it happened, that that it's, it's very clear to anybody, regardless of um, political leaning, that, there, uh, that a police officer should not have their knee on somebody's neck. And it, it did not, it was an unnecessary 
use of force. Do you think that, how do you think that we should improve the situation between the communities that police um, govern or I guess uh, work in and the police? Like how do, how do you think there should be like a strengthening of trust within those groups? Um, I'll go. So I feel like at this point, there is a um, certain extent where everything is so long gone. This has been going on for so many years. And it's at a certain point, it's past the police department and it starts with education in a way. And um, a lot of it is realizing that the police that they do place in certain communities, they're placing those police in communities where people don't look like them. And you're placing white police officers in black communities where they don't understand the people. So I think like educating them, even though there has already been systems put in place, as they say, even though this continues to happen, where they educate the police officers about minorities, yet this continues. And actually going through training with the police officers and not just however long it takes, because obviously it's not enough. Yes, I'd agree in that vein. I think that this is an inherent systemic and institutional level issue. So I don't really think that this is something that can be revised in one generation. I think it's going to take a lot of time. And just within my own experience, I've witnessed that particularly brown and black communities um, that are impoverished are over-policed to the extent that you're going to have more altercations. And the visibility of police in some of those communities is just so much greater than it is in wealthier ones um, and predominantly whiter ones. Um, and so we really need to have more comprehensive education policies within this country when it comes to learning about race relations and the history of these altercations in this country. Yeah, um, I agree with what, uh, well, I agree with what they both said. I feel like you have to place officers in there who are used to being in that community. I mean, you can't place somebody in, in a poor community who has never lived in a poor community because they don't know they don't know how that goes you know what i mean and they're 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 already going to be more on edge because it's 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 just different you know what i mean so you got to place people in there who are used to being there and to create trust between the police and black people specifically i mean i like i agree with what shelby said like that's going to take a long long time because we've just we've seen so many years of people just harassing us that you know one year or two years of of peace isn't isn't, isn't going to do it you know what i mean and i feel like it comes down to being able to hold the police accountable so what i mean by that is the police are the ones who are supposed to hold citizens accountable you know we break the law and then the police come and you know arrest us or do whatever they got to do but what happens is they sort of abuse their power and nobody's holding them accountable you know what i mean so i feel like once at least me personally and a couple of people that i talk to once we see something once we see some people holding the cops accountable and they change their way, then I feel like it's when the trust is going to increase. Uh, this is Angelo. And uh, I do agree uh, with everything everybody said. I feel that um, as if the, all of the police departments, every like every single last police department should go back to training or they need to, their training needs to differ from what they did before because everything, you know, it's not just, you know, black people, even though it's more apparent to black people, it's, it's minorities. And we need the, the police department needs to go back 
to training needs to go back to not using their power to their belief. I mean, their power to to do whatever they can. Because what Killer Mike said in um in his press conference is that we should not we should we should burn the the system that allows the police to do what they do to minorities and people and people and impoverished people in America. It's it's been a problem for a while and nothing has changed. And I just think that in my opinion, I think that there should be videos of the police training coming out to the public or something like that. So we know how they're trained and we know like how to raise our or use our voice in order to uh, get this policeman, um, policeman, you know, not just charged, but um, a sentence and and having them accountable for their actions. This is Ben, and I'd like to thank everybody that shared so far. I think everybody's been saying some really uh, moving and powerful stuff. Um, I just like to hit on uh, something that I feel is very important, and that's transparency between what's going on, whether it's news coverage or what the police is doing to respond or just the whole situation. I think that uh, our world is like very focused on, um, you know, everyone's interconnected through social media and you could really see what's going on, but it's hard to be transparent with, you know, how the community is responding and how we should respond. And uh, as a person of, you know, I'm Caucasian, so I'll never know what it's like to be black in America, but I feel like it's very important that we uh, encourage transparency between our feelings and our actions and making sure that we can respond to this as a whole community and making sure that everyone's united and moving forward from this circumstance so that we can have no more in the future. I think, uh, I think Ben definitely brings up a good point there. It's Zoel, by the way. And I also think that's also indicative of a, of a bigger issue with social media uh, that's really being shown by this, of these circles of like confirmation bias. Because when there's so much information out there about a topic, you can have two different news sources or two different uh, like social groups talking about one event and you read what each person says and it's like two completely different things happen that day. And so I, I'm personally seeing this when I read about um, well, everything that's happening um, in Minneapolis and all over the country when where some some news sources and some social groups are describing it as one thing, other people are describing it as another. It's like there's two completely different narratives being told and each group wholeheartedly believes that theirs is right. And I think that I think that we'll, we'll only be able to really start to not solve, but to work towards solving these things when we, you know, leave those circles of confirmation bias and actually talk to each other and have like dialogue across with people who disagree with each other. Yeah, this is Ben again. And I'd just like to piggyback off of what Zoel just said. The fake news that has uh, been created by this horrible, horrible act is, is I think is very wrong. And I feel like, uh, you know, what happened is not a political issue and should not be turned into a political issue. And I know, like, I'm just a kid, so I don't really know, like, the full scope of what's going on. 
And the only real way I can gather information is, you know, online and from all the social media posts that people are reposting, you see something that leans one way, you see something that leads another, it really starts to put the whole thing out of whack. And it's really hard to gather a perspective that is true without having people's opinions and bias. And there's lies mixed in as well that makes it harder to, you know, move towards change. And I think that that's a really big problem that we have today. Um, I want to respond to Zoel and him talking about um, different groups being able to come together and everything. It's really hard to like bring two different groups together when they're thinking one completely different thing and another completely different thing. And it's like, where's the truth? Where's the middleman in this? When one group is so close-minded about a situation or ignorant about a situation, and then another is the same way, close-minded or ignorant, or they want to share, but the other group doesn't want to receive. And I think a lot of that is educating yourself and not being close-minded about it because we do need to do this and we do need to educate others and we do need to come together and share what's really going on together. But it's hard to, like, you need to do a lot of things, but do people really want to do that is like the issue. If you really want to do something, I feel like it's better to get it done. Everybody needs to do something. But if you don't want to do it, it's not going to get done at the end of the day. I Hi, this is Shelby. I respectfully disagree with one of Ben's assertions. I think that this is an inherently political issue because you have to contextualize these events within the social and political climate under which they were contrived. And not to sound too partisan, but some people in power have, I feel as though, coddled white supremacy to an extent that some people who can subscribe to that ideology feel as though it's appropriate for them to vocalize their beliefs um, in the general society. And I think that's what really contributed to some of the outrage over the Ahmaud Arbery case and also with Amy Cooper um, earlier this week. For those of you who don't know, she was a white woman who was in Central Park um, and there was a black man who was bird watching. And he asked her to put a leash on her dog. And she said that she was going to call the police and say that there was a black man who was threatening her life and her dog's life. And you really have to contextualize that because under this current administration, we have seen an increase in a lot of white people who try to regulate the behaviors of African-American people. And it's not just. And I think that you really have to look to the central leadership um, to understand why that is. Also. Certainly, um, it's, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's certainly like, it's not good what happened, for lack of a better word, but I, I just wanted to see like, how, how we can like, I, like, I, I really resonated with like what Zeke said, what Gabby said as to how to make sure that, like everybody says about bad apples in, in, within police departments. And there was this one bit from Chris Rock saying that like this is a job that you can't you can't really have bad apples for. And everybody says bad apples for police officers, but I'm sure people would be really pissed if they had a bad apple heart surgeon or a or a bad apple um, fireman. Like like if like these are jobs where where I feel like departments have to make sure that they understand 
how they how they can how they can better work for the people. I pay, pretty much all of us here pay taxes. We should be able to use um, a, we we all all pay taxes. We're all literally paying the people's salaries. Yet it doesn't seem like we're we're I guess reaping the benefits of those services. So let's so I feel like in some way it is important that it is political in the sense that like how do we make sure that we enact change but it's also like making sure that we can create a uh, um a, a way of making sure that there's not another George Floyd there's not another Matt Arbery another Brianna Wilson like all all these people it's it's very preventable and let's make sure that it's always preventable I feel like the um the police I feel like they need to be more selective in who they're choosing to become officers and have that training. They go to police academy for a few weeks and they're taught how to become police officers but they're not taught how to react in certain situations. That their first instinct shouldn't be to to hold a gun. The first instinct when you're in a mostly black community is to not is to not shoot. And I feel like better training for police officers will lead to more change and them being more selective in who they're choosing because you can go through a program and you can act one specific way but when you're in that position of power the power can get to your head and you can do something totally different so I feel like just being more selective with who they choose to become officers in certain communities would genuinely help help the people who's helping the who's paying them the people who is who's paying taxes to be protected rather than hunted honestly um i'm gabby again i kind of wanted to respond and let me know if i'm talking a little bit too much i kind of wanted to respond to I dallas and um i agree with that and also i also believe a lot of it is discipline and there have been many times where an innocent black person has been shot um murdered in a it's not in a sense they have been murdered and they're usually they don't do anything they're living their lives and all these precautions we have to take but the police officers have to take no precautions to do their job which is weird um and i think training is just like one thing but when things like this do happen we have discipline for normal people we have discipline for black people and they kill black people so why can't they get the discipline we get like you want us to act a certain way but you can't act a certain way to protect us when you're supposed to be protecting us in the first place so my thing is it's enforcing this yeah you can't do this you can't do that you can tell someone they can't do something sure you're not supposed to be killing people okay you're not supposed to kill innocent black person or anybody but enforcing that this will not happen again if it might happen again i'm going to be realistic because after everything body cams it's not going to happen again we have evidence many black many cops have been let go even with those body cams and the evidence being shown and playing the fair game of who to believe when a cop is called in certain situations and not saying just because it's a police officer or just because it's a white person they're more believable than the black person and maybe this life should have been taken because taken because no life should be taken at the end of the day so enforcing y'all need to go to jail because you murder people. If we murder people, if normal civilians murder people, murder people, you're no better than us just because you have a badge and a gun. Yeah, like um this all like like all like all the um stuff with the police. It reminds me of Transformers. 
And in the first in the first Transformers movie, there's um, a Decepticon, and his name is Barricade, and he is a police car. And on his um, like the logo, you know how like police cars have like the um, the quote that says like to protect and serve, to protect and serve the people. Well, Barricade, his thing said to obey and um, enslave or something like that. And like, it just kind of reminds me like that, like, like a lot of the police that we see in these um, videos and stuff, they kind of would like fall like more under Barricade, like the, uh, the punish and like enslave versus like actually protecting and serving people. And then another thing I wanted to say is like, Too. Like the first instant is to like just go for the gun and like to just like you know. But I remember this one video I saw. It was like this cop was trying to de-escalate the situation, and then but the guy pulled out a gun on him, so the cop shot him, of course. But then like the cop like went to the um the guy and like made sure he was actually okay. Like he didn't just he didn't just go over there and shoot him. And I was like you know oh well I mean that's what you get. Like he actually even though the guy tried to protect this man and like to just make sure he was okay, even though he still shot him, shot him first. So I just think, you know, some way we gotta like, just get back to protecting and serving versus, you know, punishing. I think, I think Amori brings up, you know, I mean, a, a oddly said point, but a good point um, in that, it all it relates back to the bad apples defense and that it's the institution that has the problem, not it's just a few bad people. Um, you can see that beyond the Transformers movie, but actually in um, in in precedent in Minneapolis with the uh, with the same police force that uh, is implicated was implicated recently. Um, Mohammed Noor was a police officer with the Minneapolis police force who fatally shot a white woman and was sentenced uh, to, I believe, 12 years of jail time immediately. And um, and so I think that makes it clear that it's not a problem with a couple of bad apples in the force. I think that there's actually a lot of probably good people in the police force, but it's a problem with the institution that's very willing to uh, go after people of color over um, uh, white people. This is why Dallas, oh, sorry, if I put somebody off. Sorry, Ziki. But I was saying, I feel like there's also an issue with the punishment that's happening because I feel like less African-Americans would die through um, through cops, police brutality if, um, if the punishment was worse. If they didn't know that, if they did it intentionally, they would get a third degree murder charge, which isn't what they deserve. So I feel like less African-Americans would be dying if the police knew or the so-called bad apples knew that their actions come with consequences and actual consequences for what they did, rather than them being either just laid off for a few weeks or fired. Like, I feel like if there was a, if they knew the punishment, a lot of this wouldn't be happening. I fully agree. And so I actually kind of want to segue this discussion to the reaction from Minneapolis and not just Minneapolis itself, but many major cities are reacting to this by protesting and 
some people would say maybe like rioting, burning down places and stuff like that. And I just want to see what people's opinions are on that uh, and what's going on in the streets in many cities. Like me personally, so I was, I was, um, uh, I was in the shower the other day and then, um, my mom's just like yelling at me to like come down to tears, I guess, but I didn't hear until I got out. So I go downstairs and then like we're watching, she's we're watching the news and you know, it's like a day after the, um, the riots in Minneapolis and it's like my city, like, like my hometown, Atlanta, like it was just crazy. I mean, like, I don't, I'm like, when I'm out of breath, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, what's going on? I mean, obviously I know what's going on, but it's just like, apparently there were supposed to be protests at three o'clock that day. But then like when night struck, it's like, and I, I don't want to use like any offensive terms, but it looks just like, like a whole bunch of hooligans out there looting stores and then stealing stuff. And then the people at the malls, you know, stealing stuff from the Gucci stores. I'm like, come on y'all, like, like, I, I saw this video by Sean C. And he's a very smart guy, in my opinion. And he was like, don't don't advocate rioting. I mean, uh, looting and stuff. But if you are going to do, I mean, no. Yeah, don't advocate like burning buildings down and stuff like that. But if you are, make sure you're organized. Now, I don't advocate that, you know, the burning buildings down at all. But I do understand the frustration. But like people like keep mentioning the businesses and stuff and how they could be burning down like black owned businesses and stuff like that. And, you know, that is true. So you want to be careful about that. But, uh, he also said like, like at the, why not? I mean, they're obviously burning down police cars and stuff, but like, don't just do it at like random businesses and stuff. But like, if you are gonna do it, make sure you're like organized about it and actually go do it at somewhere that like will make an actual statement like the police station or go protest at the Capitol building or stuff like that. Not saying that's the right thing to do, but I'm just saying, if you are, you gotta be organized about it in some way. But the looting, the stealing, especially stealing stuff from like designer stores. Like I saw something on Snapchat that some fool said, yo, now's the perfect time to go steal because the police are gonna be worried about the protests and not us. I'm like, y'all are just, let me choose correct words, but just ignorant and just like stupid. Like, and it just makes the whole movement as a whole look bad. I'm like, you got actual people trying to make change. And then y'all over here trying to get some new product bag or just some nonsense, something like that. So that's how I feel. Yeah, I don't, to add on to what, um, <clears throat> to add on to what Amari said, I've seen a lot of people on social media, which I'm sure we all have, People have been like, oh, you need to stop the rioting. The rioting isn't make anything isn't making anything better. But what you got to understand is people, the people who are rioting are trying to be heard because we've been peacefully protesting. We've been making signs. We've been going on social media. We've been doing that type of stuff for years, you know, for, for, for a long time. And, and, um, I saw this thing on, on, uh, social media, um, people were mad at Colin Kaepernick for kneeling, you know what I mean? That's one of the most peaceful ways you can protest. So it's like, as a black person, like, how are we supposed to win? You know what I mean? Like if we can't protest peacefully, 
And if, if one of us is going to kneel and you're going to put that to the side, say that doesn't belong here, you need to stop doing that and, and, and just sort of shove it to the side. Of course, naturally, people are going to get angry and they're going to start rioting. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I'm not advocating violence because it, it like people are getting hurt. And like Amari said, at the end of the day, you like you're burning down black owned businesses, you're breaking black cars. So you're not you're not really going to solve anything by rioting, but what you have to, you have to just understand why, you know, cause this is really the only way people feel like they're going to get heard, you know, and to understand this is like the, the amount that people want to be heard. Like think about it. There's a global pandemic going on and people are still putting that to the side and people are still rioting. So that, that puts in perspective how much people really care about it, you know? And you can say it is ignorant, which, yeah, it is kind of slightly ignorant because there is a global pandemic going on, but that just shows how much people care and how much people are willing to do to get their point across, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I you, by the way. Uh, uh, you want to go in Dallas? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, I feel like it's, we've been, as Ziki said, we've been preaching protesting. And I feel like at this point, African-Americans are fed up because it's, it's always been peaceful protest, peaceful protest. And I feel like at this point, African-Americans are like, we have to start speaking the language of the oppressor. And all they really, all that has ever resulted from anything is either war or violence. And it's like, you can't be mad at African-Americans for rioting because because this is a reaction to something that has happened in our communities. For us to change our reaction, you have to change your action. Like this, the stuff that's happening, we're just fed up because we've tried. We've tried with the civil rights movement. We've tried with people going outside and making signs and stuff. But it's hard to see businesses that have African-American workers support, well, support the police system and all this thing. And that's why I honestly feel like they're they're looting and burning the places down because it's like African Americans have supported your business and your silence is being noted. Like all these Gucci stores, all this thing, African Americans have helped build that up. You see African Americans buying Gucci bags and they're not saying anything about what's happening to us. So I feel like African Americans are just fed up at this point. And we tried and it hasn't worked. So now we're resulting to the other way that we didn't want to have to get to. But if that's what helps us get heard, we'll have to do it. Yeah, I agree with Idalis in that vein. And I'm going to preface, this is Shelby, by the way. I'm going to preface my comments by saying, like, I have immense respect for the, like, title and the profession of, like, policing. I have police officers in my family and my father's a judge. So, like, I've always had police officers in my life. That being said, no form of protest is ever going to be acceptable to the people who are oppressing you. So, I mean, we've seen across conservative America just reactions saying, oh, well, it's so disrespectful when you kneel for the anthem. It's so disrespectful when you do this. Like, you have to really think, like, during Martin Luther King's day, like, legitimately, there were African-Americans who had a problem with him. So, like, I truly feel that when we look back upon history, like, some of the sentiments that are being expressed now won't... um, prevail throughout the chronological order but i really do think that black america has reached our breaking point and when you can't do something as simple as going for a jog or bird watching or just going to the grocery store without being assaulted like you're fed up you're done you're over it um i'm 
Yeah, I'm I'm a Kindle, and um, when when I look here, right, with the exception of me and Ziki, I think all the African American people here were brought here via slavery, um, and I think that when you are brought to a place as a second-rate citizen, right, and over time, you know. I look at other countries, uh, other Western countries, and the way that they ended slavery, it was sort of a foregone co- conclusion for the people in charge when they said, okay, slavery is going to end, right? But I think of this country, and then I think, hmm, how did we have to end slavery? We have to go through a whole war to end slavery, right? So I think, okay, slavery, it happened for, you know, 200 years, ended. So then we get then we finish slavery and then we have segregation so black people have gone from second-rate citizens or not even citizens not even citizens in slavery then we go to second-rate citizens in segregation so we can't go to the same bathroom as a white person we can't uh sit on, on in front of the bus like a white person we can't use the same phone booths as a white person we can't go to the same restaurants right etc cetera, etc cetera. so since day one it has been made known that the people in charge did not want us to feel equal, right? So now in the 21st century, where we are now, I, it it's, doesn't surprise me at all that there are still people out there who want us to feel second rate, that want us to feel less than, you know, you are less than the white man. And what better way to do that than by killing us off and then the people in charge do nothing to punish them, right? If, as a child, when you take something, let's say, let's say that there's like candy, right? When you take it, you get scolded by your parents. And then you do it again, then you get scolded. So you know that it's wrong. You are, you are punished time and time again. And then you learn that something is incorrect. But in this situation, right? If an officer kills someone unjustly, it is broad as day. As my dad would say, daylight robbery. It clearly happened. Anyone can see it. And then they are fired. Fired for that. Not prosecuted. Anyone else does it, go to jail. No question asked. Bam, bam, bam. But they are fired. So then you are shown, mm, okay, there is consequence. But the consequence isn't that great. The consequence is mm, minuscule. I can go and get another job. Fine. But the second that you, t- that you put, you know, put your foot in the ground, set it in stone, white officer kills a black man, give him, you know, second degree murder, first degree murder, bam. Then you've gotten the message in your head. Happens once, happens twice, happens twice. That rarely, rarely ever happens. The punishment is made so minuscule. So then when I see African-American protesters rioting, I'm sort of like, hmm, there's a certain... As Trevor Noah said, there's a certain contract that has been broken, right? Where the government, the institution has told us that, okay, you are now equal. White, Black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, all of you, everyone's equal. So when something like this happens, and then you makes us think, are we actually equal? So when you break that end of the contract, right? And even if it is a couple of bad apples, I like to say one bad apple can spoil a whole batch. One rotten apple can spoil a whole batch, right? 
So even if it is just one bad apple and you break that contract, then by someone breaking windows, by someone burning down something, is that the worst thing that could happen? And I don't, I don't want to condone rioting because I don't think it's right, right? If my dad owned a store and then someone, and then something like this happened where we live, and then someone went and, you know, destroyed the store, it would make me heartbroken, right? But at the same time, you know, the Eagles go and win the Super Bowl, and then Philadelphia turns into a mess, and people are rioting everywhere. You know, you go and lose a sports game. College kids, they'll go and destroy their, you know, destroy their town, basically flip it on its head. And then they say, oh, you know, it was a party gone awry, or, or they were, you know, having too much fun, this and that. Like, they did it, they didn't do it out of necessity. We feel as if we're doing this out of, we must, we must. Because someone like Kaepernick went and took a knee and then people bashed him. Martin Luther King tried to do it peacefully. He was killed. So where have we gone from then up until now? How far, what can I tell my kids in 20 years that look from Martin Luther King, look from Colin Kaepernick. Here's the change. Here's where things change. What changed between then, you know? So that's where, that's where my uh, uh, grievance comes. That's where I'm sort of like, what, why should I be shocked that something like this has happened when there has been no clear evidence that the institution wants this to get better? And for me, I personally believe that they don't. Um, yeah. Okay, I want to go next, but a Kindle that was beautiful, first of all. So <laughs> I'm Gabby again, and I personally, a lot of people are not going to agree with me or like me for this, but I don't see an issue with the writing, and I see an issue with the looting. Um, I'm also from Atlanta, like Maria's, and with the Gucci store, first of all, that was very unnecessary. Um, Icebox, very unnecessary. A lot of it, very unnecessary. I don't agree with um, destroying black businesses while you're trying to support um, the black community, which is very backwards to me. But and staying organized is a big key. But sometimes you get lost in everything that's going on and lost in what's happening. And personally, I always said, um, ever since I started learning about this, because my parents always kept me educated, and my dad always said this that one day black people are going to get so fed up that karma is going to come back and it's going to have an issue. Everybody's going to start having an issue. No one had an issue with Trayvon Martin. No one had an issue with Sandra Bland. No one had an issue um, with any other shootings or any other things that happened. But now people are having an issue once we start burning things down and once we start actually wanting to make a difference. And it's annoying because it's like, like everyone said, Colin Kaepernick, he takes a knee you're doing too much. You're not respecting you, United States. Um, then when we start burning everything down, no, this is not how you're supposed to act. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. What do you want us to do exactly? Where is the limit to where we can riot? Like there, to me, there's no middle. Like if we peacefully protest, nothing happens. And even when it's a peaceful protest, it doesn't make sense why police officers are still there. I understand you're trying to control the situation, but why do you have firearms with you when there are people in other protests earlier this year with the quarantine and the whole pandemic and they, they don't have their firearms, but they can hit all over you because they're white. And then we don't bring firearms to it. 
if anything, we're just wearing a mask and things to protect ourselves. And you're shooting people in the face with rubber bullets. And there, then there's an issue when you get mad, when we get shot in the face with the rubber bullet, because we're breaking in your, your windshield for your car. It's, you can't be mad because we're reacting how you react to us. If you're going to treat us like animals for years and years, we're going to get pissed. And you cannot say anything about that at the end of the day. Like, you can say, actually, you can say what you want, but Black people have gotten to the point where it's like, if we don't do anything or if we don't speak up for ourselves, nobody's going to speak up for us. So, um, I think, okay, first of all, like Kendale's whole soliloquy was, you know, he, he, he said a lot of good things. But one thing that really stood out to me was when he said, when I talk to my kids and they ask me, well, what changed between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and now? And the thing that changed to me, which is kind of scary, is the only thing that changed is it got silent. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it was okay to be racist back then out loud and, and for everybody to know that you hated black people, you know, it was okay. But now it's become politically correct to, to support us and to post on social media and, and to be an activist. But what's scary to me is that like those same people who you see posting on social media, who, who are activists, like, like that may not be how they truly feel it, feel in their heart. You know what I mean? Like those same people who you'll, you'll walk by past during the day and they'll say hi to you. How are you doing? The same people will like, if you're walking and they pass you at night, they're the same people who will jump you. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it, 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 it's, you can argue it's better that it's politically correct to support us now, but it, there's something scary about silent racism. You know what I mean? There, there's something really, really scary about it. And what I can say I've experienced I, 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 that I feel most people, uh, um, who are here have experienced is I've gone to giant and I've seen people looking at me, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? I've, I've, I've walked in a new town. I've, I've seen people point and whisper, you know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's a scary feeling because you, you can see them looking, but you don't know whether or not what they're going to do. You know what I mean? You know, you know what they're thinking, but you don't know what they're going to do. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just sad to me. You know what I mean? Because it's really popular for people to say, oh, well, we've come such a long way. You know what I mean? Racism has really improved. It's declined. But in my opinion, it's just got silent. You know what I mean? So. Um, this is, no, this is, um, this is Um, uh, everybody said, I want to thank people who have spoken up. It's, Everybody said some really great things. Very moving. Um, I want. I think the like all oh, the whole thing with like people like criticizing like Colin Kaepernick or anybody who's trying to do protests. I feel like everybody's just trying to like try to see what's the best way so that like people don't misinterpret it. So it's like in other words, getting make turning things that are like misinterpretation proof, which is basically impossible. And such a, like, it's such a insane, absurdly high bar that like, it essentially makes everything uh, like no. Um, I I think that I feel like a lot like it's still like, um, I feel like most experiences that a police officer has, it has to there there still has to be that like communal aspect, and like obviously, like if you look at like big cities it's difficult to have the communal aspect. Like how many NYPD officers are, there's probably at least like 
uh, at least like 10,000 governing a city of 10 million. So uh, I'm probably off on those numbers. But anyways, like, I think, I think we have to like, try to make sure that like, we have to go to like a more like, I guess, communal style of policing in a sense that like, more people like a police officer, that way people within the community don't feel like a police officer is a threat, but just more someone who's just trying to make sure that nothing, nothing bad happens and make, and make sure that like, make sure everything goes well. Like, I feel like all of these kind of go down to that, um, boil down to feeling of like, what of an erosion of trust within a community. Like, for instance, every, like Ferguson and the DOJ report that, that was filed in 2016, it says specifically that like, a lot of the police officers basically stopped and gave tickets to uh, disproportionately black people and essentially used it as, as, as a way to meet quotas and meet, um, and, and basically, um, of, uh, generate revenue for the city, which is absurd. People shouldn't, um, like crime and I guess disproportionate action within a community should not be, uh, something that is, uh, is used to, I guess, um, enrich or, um, generate revenue like that. It's, I think it's, it's largely, um, like, and, and for the topic of looting, I think looting shouldn't, shouldn't happen, especially because like we talk about like black, black businesses, it's, it's still very difficult for a black person to, to get an adequate loan for business. And if, and so in other words, if it gets looted, they still have to um, pay for that loan. And if the one thing that you used in order to generate revenue is you're unable to do that, chances are you're never going to see that business again. Like, and that's, and that's the reality for many people. So I think there has to be some system in place that way. Like if people are going to loot just, and like, I understand the riots, but like, if people are going to loot, just understand the consequences, just understand like what, what is at stake for everyone for seeing it. Cause there are a lot of protesters that are doing good work, good work and aren't, and aren't there just, just, I guess, um, uh, that are, that aren't there to, um, to merely, um, get, uh, steal a Gucci bag. I cannot, if any, if nobody else wants to go, um, I, this is sort of off track, but I want to ask a question, everybody, like, and I want, I want a bunch of different people's perspectives, you know, like, um, it would be interesting to hear from Scott cause you're an adult. Um, I know certain people haven't talked as much, but like, I want to know how, how do you guys like feel about the like police? Like, do, how do you trust them? You know what I mean? And to what levels, you know, cause me personally, like it's gotten to the point where, I, I drive past the police. I just got a license. So I drive past the police or I walk past the police and like, I get scared even though I've done nothing wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's gotten to the point where, where it's just in my subconscious that I'm about to be like uh, harassed for no reason. You know what I mean? And it's uh shout out to Kinley again. He put this on a story. It was, um, and I reposted it. Like if I'm getting jumped, right. I'm scared of the people who are going to attack me, but I'm also scared of the people who I'm supposed to call, who are supposed to come to save me. You know what I mean? And it's gotten to a sad point because me personally, I, I would honestly rather be in a situation where 
I'm getting attacked one-on-one than having to deal with a, a bad police officer, like harassed by a bad police officer. Cause then like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't fight a police officer. And another thing I saw on someone's story, it, this was ignorance, right? Ignorance. I saw on someone's story, they said, um, people should start carrying around guns, you know, so that it, so that if we start getting harassed, we, we, we can protect ourselves. I was like, bro, like, I don't like to throw around the word privilege a lot, but the, the guy was white. And I, I, I think that's straight white privilege because if, if I am carrying a gun, right. And I'm getting harassed by the police. If I pull out that gun and try to shoot them, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm dying on the spot. You know what I mean? And let's say somehow I James Bond 007 kill like one or two police who are trying to like harass me. Like I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So it's really just something you have to take. And I feel like, that's that's the, the the scary part like whatever they do to you you have to take which is um why i don't trust them so again how do you guys feel like what what is your level of trust well like first i want to acknowledge the thing but what you said about like what that person said like yeah like me personally you know i believe in you know having a gun if you need to just for protect not to be like carrying around the street you know for like that reason but like Cause people are crazy, you know, especially now how things are like getting really tense, you know, it's never too bad just to have that extra protection. But like me personally, I don't fear the police, especially where I live because like most of the Atlanta police officers are like black and like, like I go into target and like the police that are there are always black or publics. Like I, 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 the amount of times I see a white police officer in the city, is very rare. Like, so, you know, when I do see them, what I do, I just look at their gun because, you know, I think that's cool. But other than that, like, I don't fear them, you know. My mom calls the police, like, if something's wrong in the neighborhood. And, you know, they come by, do their job. And nine times out of ten, they're mostly black. Um, I only saw, like, two white police officers come the one time. And, I mean, everything was chill. But it's like, I guess that's because I'm fortunate because you know i live in a city where like most of the population is black so then most of the police most likely would be black but i feel like you know other people well like newtown right you know when i go to newtown you know i mean i don't like i know some people talk about like how they like fear or something might happen to them me personally i don't like me, Ziki, all the time. And I don't know if there are any cops, but I know I wouldn't fear them because, you know, we got Jacob and, and I know we joke around like this, how like, <laughs> like if we got a white person with us, we'll be fine. But like, I guess in a sense that is kind of true, at least for me, like I know we were with Jacob and Ben, you know, I wasn't going to fear anything because, you know, they were there. But like, you know, I guess if you're going alone, then you could like, kind of, I guess, have some fear. But for the majority, like, I've never feared the police. You know, I always kind of wanted to be a police officer. And I told Kinley this, especially now. I used to just want to be a police officer because it was cool, you know. But, like, now there's, like, actually a reason to be a police officer. Like, to, like, just establish, like, positive race relations. And not just, relation, like, race relations, but, like, 
you know, police and the black community race relations. Like over here, like we have to call the police, you know, no problem. But I know in other areas that might not be particularly the case. Ziki, I think that's a very interesting question that you posed, and I think in order to answer that, we have to look at the history of policing in this country. So you go back to slavery even, and there were these slave codes um, that were established, and those were just general codes of conduct as to how Black people had to behave. And then after that, we evolved into the Reconstruction era, and you have Black codes, which are essentially the same thing. They just have a different title and they criminalize black behavior. So you're not allowed to own property, speak to a white person. Um, you get fined or imprisoned if you don't have a job. So intergenerational trauma, like it exists and that gets passed down. So I think that's why there's such hostility in some regions of the country um, between black and white people, specifically black people and the police. But um, within my own experience, I've had some really positive like instances with the police. And then I've had some pretty negative ones. I remember one time I was going to Virginia with my father, who's a judge. Um, and we got stopped for speeding on the side of the road for 45 minutes. Um, and this was in maybe 2016. So it was like right after maybe Philando Castile or Alton Sterling. And I was maybe 12 years old and I bawled my eyes out because I was terrified because of everything I had seen on the news. And thankfully, like the issue resolved rather like conflict fleet conflict-free rather um but still like there is a lot of tension and stress because i know what people in that position are capable of and i know what they've done to other people in the past i don't know if i said it but this is shelby by the way um personally my experience relates to um amari's kind of i i also like i said before i'm gabby i live i live in atlanta so I barely see white police officers and um, I live in a black area. So on top of that, I rarely see black police officers. I mean, white police officers. And I mean, personally, I think the whole metaphor thing with the bad apples, that's true. But also there are a lot of police officers who go into the system and go into this wanting to change and wanting to do something about it. And there are a lot of videos that came out for police officers of color. And they're like, what happened was wrong. You never learned that in training. You never learned to put your knee on someone's neck for any amount of time or use that kind of force in any way. And you barely learn to use your gun because your first instinct shouldn't be your gun. If anything, it should be taser pepper spray before a gun. So I think I, I, it's hard to say I trust the police because you never know what you're going to get when you're calling out, but at the same time, it's, and it's hard to say to trust the system that protects you when they don't protect you. But in Newtown, I do not trust the police officers at all, especially I made a mistake walking by myself one time and I will never make that mistake again ever in my life. Um, and you kind of see it as Zeke was saying, where the people are whispering and everything and you feel like I don't know if I should be here by myself and I know I made this mistake of coming by myself but I had to come by myself and you cannot calling Dean sometimes might not work in the best sense you can't call the police because you don't know what's going to happen um so honestly at the end of the day and the whole thing with the guns so that's very ignorant because people get shot for having hairbrushes people get shot and they don't have guns or they have um a license to carry they still get killed so there's no point of having a gun and then there's more deaths there 
So there, that is ignorance and that's privilege in itself. But I personally, I trust certain police officers, but living in Georgia, it's like, you don't see them in the city, but when you start going south to those little hick towns, it's a whole nother deal. And you can't even go on the back roads because you're scared to get pulled over. You can't go over the speed limit because you're scared to get pulled over. You can't have the lights on in the car, scared to get pulled over. It's like certain things, you have to know your location and be aware of your surroundings before you do anything. Yeah, like just last last two weeks ago, Gabby, we I don't know what my mom was thinking, bro, but she took us, she made us go up into the mountains, bro. You know, Delonica and um, bro, the Appalachians. I'm like, so, you know, I, I get it. I don't know where we're going the day before. So we're gone and I'm, I look at the GPS. I'm like, I know it is not saying hour and a half drive. So we're driving and, you know, you know, we're just cruising along. But when we get out, like, like, and we got like, like the metro Atlanta area, bro. You know, you start seeing less and less black people, you know, less and less Fulton County license plates. And there was this one county and it was called Forsyth. And I remember Brendan told me like, there were like a whole bunch of lynchings that used to happen in this county back in the 60s and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I know we're not in this county. And then, you know, we're just driving. And then, you know, we start losing cell service. And I'm like, man, don't let me get pulled over, lynched or something. Like, cause this was like right when the, um, when the dude who was at the, when two white, when the, the two white guys killed the, um, that dude. So I'm like, you know, man, so something better not happen. And then on the way back, you know, I, I told Ziggy this, when we go to South Georgia, I know we're close to my grandmother's house because you see this big, humongous Confederate flag. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we're close by. And then on the way back, I see one and I'm like, here, I mean, here we go. But like the thing about it was it was underneath the American flag. And then I told my friend, yeah, that's kind of stupid. Cause like the two nations fought against each other. So how can you represent like to the nation that was fighting against, like, cause people will say that nonsense about it's our heritage or whatever. Like that's just some straight up nonsense, bro. Like sure. It may be your heritage in a sense, but that doesn't mean it's like appropriate heritage. Like, like the Germans, they got Nazi heritage, I'm sure. But that you don't see them wearing swastikas and flying the, the swastika flag or whatever. I mean, you know, so it's just like, and there's just sometimes where, you know, it's just like, you know, here we go again, or kind of just like that. And you're like, you just got to make sure, you know, you end up okay in the end. This is Angelo. For me, uh, I lived in Philadelphia and I lived in Newtown. Um, so I had the experience of a suburban police department and the city, the police department. And both times, not in Newtown, but in Philly, I have had an encounter with uh, the police and they have not been good encounters. Um, I was walking, I don't really like to talk about it, but I was walking with my friends and I guess the police thought we were, you know, slanging dope or something. And and uh, they, they pulled us over, told us to put our hands up and, you know, they checked us and, you know, they didn't find anything. And, you know, they were, you know, yelling at us. My, I told my friends, 
um, who were both uh, black, told my friends that we should listen to them, but they were, you know, but they were kind of, um, kind of, you know, like denied, like not obeying. But then, uh, then sometime they uh, they started to obey, and uh, you know, we were, you know, they told us to get on the ground, this and that, and they didn't find anything. And, you know, it was just a bad experience. Um, it happened another time, too. Um, but for me, the police, I, I used to say, you know, F the police, this and that. But then, like, now that I, that I see, you know, some good policemen in the, uh, you know, on social media and stuff, I'm just, now I'm just saying F the, the, the bad police. You know, I'm not saying F all of them. Because there are some good people in the police department, but the, the only problem with me with the good policemen is that they're not really speaking out. They're not really, you know, um, trying to like speak out and say, you know, um, you know, because everybody think that every policeman is bad. And I've seen that on Instagram and everywhere. And I really don't believe that because, you know, because good videos of, of policemen, because when you associate one policeman, you should, you associate, um, well, at least America, they associate one bad policeman with the whole American, with whole um, American uh, police departments. So I, I don't have trust in real life, but I do have trust that there are some good Policemen that will that will that I believe that will try and change things in the system that that will um, that will um, change the that will change the police and abusing their power. So, so um, this is the kind of life for me. Um, I've done like all my schooling in Pennsylvania, and I don't know if this is for the rest of the country, but I know Scholar and John have probably gone through this, but we had to do a dare in our schools, which is basically like a drug, um, like a drug information type of class, or basically just telling you the risks of doing drugs, right? And for those classes, it was taught by a police officer. Like they'll get an actual officer in, he will come in his, you know, full uniform, gun, badge, you know, taser, everything. Um, and for me, I can still remember the guy's name, Officer Pell. And he was he was the guy who um, my class had. And being like 12, 11, um, he was like my first encounter with the police. Um, like, and it was in a classroom setting and he was a fantastic person, like um, role model. He never like yelled at anyone. And I'm sure, I'm sure that there were people in my class that fully deserved yelling too, didn't raise his voice, nice to everyone. Um, but another thing is like, in my class, and I'm sure John can testify to this, in my class, I was like one of four, maybe five black people. And I'm sure in that class that I was in for um, D.A.R.E., I was like the only black person, right? So all my life, I've grown up with white people. So there are some things that, when someone will say like 
um, like, you know, black people can't do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, I've grown up in such a, I've grown up in an area where I, the, the standard that gets put upon me sometimes is also the standard that gets put upon my white friends. So people like, let's say my friends want to go to the mall, right? And I'll ask my mom, like, can I go to the mall? And she's like, do you need to buy anything? I'm like, no, we're just going to hang out. She's like, no. I'm like, why? She's like, if your friends, and she knows that I'm going with like Caucasian people, right? She says, if your friends steal something, right? And you don't even have to steal anything. If you're with them and they steal something or they do something wrong or they take something, that the treatment that they get will be different from the treatment that you get, right? So I'm just like... Well, you know, all that in terms of how police are good, this and that. And I'm like, okay, sure. So then, you know, I'll see things on the news. Like um, a guy went and bought a TV. He realized that it wouldn't fit in his car. So he left it at the store. He told the people at the store. They said, okay. When he comes back for the TV with his mom, they take it. And they let the like proper people know that they're taking it. And then... Like, one of the employees start harassing them, like, what are you doing? You're stealing the TV, this, that. And the police come, and you'll think that the police would, like, call the situation after it's explained. But then, no, they end up, like, beating the old lady. She, like, loses her front teeth. The guy is, like, pinned on the floor, this and that. No one resisted anything. They were trying to explain the situation. And I'm just like, like, come on, these people didn't even steal anything. And look at the way they're being treated, right? So, for me, like, I don't have my you know in in um i don't know if this is for black people or an african culture in general but someone doesn't have to be related to you to be your uncle but i have an uncle who's not related to me he's like a very close family friend and he's in the military and i have you know a lot of respect for him and he's like the closest person i have to like um governments um in law enforcement sort of in my family and for me, the police, I respect them, but it comes to a certain point where it's like, how much, how, how many times does a bad apple have to go and do something wrong for me to then say, you know what, like, my respect for you is gone. Like, at what point is it wrong for me to say, okay, I no longer have, even, even for the good ones, I don't have respect for them. And it's sort of like, when I say that, I feel wrong saying it because Ameri- uh, a lot of Caucasian people, like after 9-11 happened, they would, see, like, they would say like, oh, you know, Muslims have done X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, no, this is like 13 people that have gone and done this. And then they'll point out instances in the past where they've done other acts of terror. So I think to myself, like, if, if 100 uh, bad police officers kill 100 uh, black people that were innocent, right? What about the other, you know, one million police officers who have done nothing wrong, have good records? And I'm like, do I lose my respect for them? Because there's nothing, when, when a police officer pulls you over, there's nothing on top of his head that says, you know, he's had X, Y, Z complaints from white person or black person or this, or there's nothing that says that he's a bad cop, he's a good cop. No, you have to take your chances. You know, if you get pulled over, there's nothing that tells you that, you know, this person hasn't done something bad in the past. You don't know that you just have to trust them. Right. And that's a problem. Like when, how are we still supposed to trust them 
when we have been hurt over and over and over again. So that's my own on that. Well, this is Scott, and I have really enjoyed and have so appreciated everyone and being able to have this conversation. I, I did want to read a, a quick quote, and I wanted to touch on what Zeke was asking about, but uh, this is from Michelle Obama, and she says, it's up to all of us, black, white, everyone, no matter how many we think we might be, to do the honest, uncomfortable work of rooting racism out it starts with self-examination and listening to those whose lives are different from our own. And I think that is why we're here. I'm so grateful for this opportunity for us to be able to share. I'm grateful for George School, <laughs> having been here. Um, as a student, I want to say, Ziki, when you were asking how it feels about, I guess, police and authority, um, well, I guess what, I want to take one step back and invite everyone to take a step back if, if possible. I know we're so feeling and, you know, just enveloped by this moment. But if we talk about the police, individual police officers, I think it's really important to, to look at the system because it's almost like talking about a tree and the leaves. And, but if we don't deal with the roots of this, then the tree will never be healthy. So we can talk about the leaves or the branches, but... I think it's really important to, to look at the systems and, and I, I so appreciate Shelby, your cultural contextualization and all, a lot of us, I mean, because this is not going, this is not new and it's not going to be solved right away, but we have to stay in it and we have to find inspiration from the spirit of Dr. King. And he said that a riot is just the voice of those people who are unheard. So I think what's happening <sighs> I don't think I don't I don't even want to qualify. I don't want to put any kind of evaluation on it. I think it's just it's it's a necessary expression of pain. And um Ziki, to your point about um the police, I guess, and, and the fear that you fear, I, I can relate to it to some extent. I think we all when we think about authority is a little scary, even walking past the dean's office or teachers. I mean, we always have these hierarchy, hierarchical things and hopefully they're not all invested with systematic racism, but um, it's there. I will say, I feel like I appreciate personally that I have gotten really lucky in this life to be a tall white man. And um, I try to honor that. I had an experience about a year and a half ago, uh, when we were all watching, uh, in my daughter's school, they were reading The Hate You Give, and we had, I think, just seen it from MLK Day, and uh, I was, it was right around that time, I was driving past Newtown, and it was a really, for some reason, a lot of traffic, and there was one of those decisions, you guys will probably get to this point with red lights, it was like a yellow light, just about to turn red. And, and for whatever reason, I made a bad choice. And there wasn't a danger of risk, but I went through uh, a red light. And I'm like, oh, oh. I try to obey all those rules. But there's a police officer right there, like right there. And he saw me. I knew I was seen. And so I pulled myself over. And my daughter, who was with me, who had just read The Hate You Give, felt the fear. And... I, I didn't, I mean, I, you know, anytime anyone's in that situation, of course, they're, you know, your moment, the, the adrenaline is rise. Um, but I 
saw my daughter not sure what to do. And I, I didn't, I wanted to make her, um, allay some of those concerns because it was the first time she's ever been in that situation. She had just read, she was ready to put her hands on the dashboard. And, um, I didn't discourage that. And I actually let her feel that feeling. Cause I know having been a white person in America, I don't feel that. And the only way that we can generate empathy is to feel that the police officer was very nice, which I I've had a lot of experience with. Cause I, I've dealt with a lot of, um, reverse racism where I will be in a room with a police who's been really anxious and he'll look at me and he'll kind of calm down. And I try to value that moment and that true, that perspective and not take it for granted ever because hopefully I can hold a space in a way. It's not my job, but I think to Annika, to your point, I don't think we should put all of the policing or the justice keeping on the select individual with power I think it does come down to all of us, just like democracy. We all have to participate. And I think we're starting to realize that a little bit more with all this stuff coming up. And I'm hopeful that this is just the illness coming to the surface and we can really deal with it now. That was a long <laughs> tangent, but. Um. Uh, um, to reply to Scott, I respect that you let your daughter feel that because I feel like um, it all starts with the parent and when a child is young and building that and that's a lot of the conversations I have with my friends at school and talking about um people at school and how they feel a certain way and I'm like it's really hard to change someone's mind when their parents have taught them all that their all their life that something's right when realistically it's wrong and they don't see how it affects other people but on top of that to your tree point and you're saying we can't look at the leaves and the branches we have to look at the roots but at this point i think it's about time to start cutting down the tree and starting over but it's hard to start over but after years and hundreds of years and hundreds of years of oppression to people of color we need to start building a new tree because you can't i'm not just going to keep repairing the same tree and repairing the same tree and like you said the roots are rotten and all this is happening but then when you're sitting there and you're like we have to fix it and what other way to fix it is to start building a new system and building a way for everybody, people of color and everybody else, even if it does take years and years and it's not going to happen in over years, not going to happen overnight. It's going to take generations and our children, our grandchildren, great grandchildren are going to have to experience that. And also to reply to the thing with your daughter and um, on social media, there was a video from a while back. They did a throwback and a white girl was really scared. She got pulled over by cops and she, it was in Georgia and she was saying, I'm scared. I don't want to get shot and everything. And the white police officer replied, don't forget. We only shoot black people. You've never seen a video of a white person getting shot. Remember it's only black people. So the fact that you're in, you're not trying to instill fear, but you want her to feel that and no, nothing's going to change until people feel discomfort. And when people are like, I'm uncomfortable, can we change the topic? No, we cannot change the topic because if, nothing's going to change if you don't feel uncomfortable. I have to deal with this, so you need to listen. Yeah. Um, I know that Zeke asks about the police, but another thing that sort of dwelled on me is with the protesting and the rioting, something I realized is that, especially the media, they want these riots to be, you know, they want it to be almost like, Oh, everyone wins. Like black people get to protest, and nothing gets in. Nothing gets damaged, and this and that. I'm like, that's the whole point of a protest. If 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 we wanted, you know, to protest and let 
the oppressors be happy just as we are, then we wouldn't be out there protesting. You know, when you know that your protest is working when the people who you're protesting against are coming out and saying that you're doing something wrong. And that's another reason why when I see the rioting and then I see the media saying that, oh, this isn't right, they're thugs, they're this, I'm like, well, the reason why they're out there in the first place is because this institution has has grossly um, grossly marginalized against them. And now they're out there, you know, getting your attention the only way that they knew how, you know? We, we've spoken and we haven't been listened to. We've stood on, you know, rooftops. We went to Capitol Hill. We've stood in front of the president's house. We've spoken. Nothing has changed. You know, black people um, in general, the only times we go out and we start, you know, jumping around is either if we're very happy or if we're very mad, right? And the last time that we all had a reason or most of us had a reason to be happy was when Obama was elected, you know, because for a lot of black people that was like, yes, like this is our guide, things are about to change, this and that. And then I look back at it and I'm like, nothing really changed. Like someone even said that like um, Trump was was um, the the Republicans way of getting revenge for us getting Obama in office, you know? And I'm like, I don't want to look at it that way because I hate to think that everything in this country just revolves around Democrats versus Republicans. But the more and more I look at it, I'm like, that's just how this is. That's, that's how the nation has, um, you know, molded itself over time. And at the end of the day, if every debate, if every argument is going to be Democrats versus Republicans, white versus black, I don't ever see a way where there will be a consensus, a consensus that will be come to because either one side wins or another side wins. You know, there's, there's no middle ground. It's either your left, your right. And, you know, just look at, look at the elections, right? You look at Republicans and you look at Democrats. There's always a Republican in first or second and then a Democrat in, you know, the other place. And then you'll see an independent with like, you know, two, two percent of the United States population has voted for them. Like, we're just proving that we are that we are divided like this is a nation divided this is not this isn't a country that is you know together and we haven't been together for years years i have to i have to disagree with what akindale said um just the part where he said it's um democrat versus republican black versus white i think what it really is it's 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 educated versus uneducated so when um Scott, I want to say, like, I respect what you did for your daughter a lot. You know what I mean? When you said you allowed her to feel that feeling, because I think the biggest thing is people aren't going to stay under, people aren't going to understand what black people feel unless they feel it themselves or someone they care about feels it. You know what I mean? One thing I see is I see people going on social media saying, oh, racism isn't real, blah, blah, blah. And I get mad and I see other people getting mad, but I think... It, it, it's hard for me personally to blame someone for being ignorant. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to blame somebody for, it's hard for me to blame somebody who just doesn't know. So I think we have to put, we have to educate people and make people understand because I can give you instances of white people who are Republicans who aren't racist. And I could, I, I could honestly give you 
instances of people who are black, democratic, and who really don't like black people. Like, like straight up, like I, I, I could give you examples of that. And it's, and it's not, it, it's deeper than black and white because I know certain people who are black, but they're African, you know what I mean? And they say they don't understand what black Americans go through because obviously they never had to experience that um, back in Africa where they where they were the majority. So I think to say it's as simple as black versus white or Republican versus Democrat or moral versus immoral is, is, is too simplistic in my opinion. And you just, you have to split it up into the people who know versus who don't know. And I think it's a, it's, it's about people who are informed. Okay. Well, I, hey, I had, um, I have one last question. I think this is the one we should wrap up with okay. after this, um, this whole thing that happens with, um, black lives matter and all the protests, do you think this is going to blow over or do you think that the current events are going to actually start some real, like, um, an action of change? Annika, Annika, what has changed since Trayvon Martin and since now? What has changed since MLK was assassinated till now? You know, the, we always, after every single incident, we ask this same question. Will things change? And the same... Every time I sort of jog back my memory. Because I'm not asking if it's going to change. I'm going to ask if it's going to blow over. Like, oh, yeah, that's the I same think thing. that's the same thing. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Like, will it? Yes, that, that's the answer. People will, it will happen. People will forget. This will happen again. We will go back to the streets. We will riot. People will, it will, it will quell. It, it's like a roller coaster. It's like a roller coaster. Everything, you know, happens. And then we forget the guy gets convicted. Whatever it goes down, goes down, goes down. Then another bad actor does something like that, and then it goes right back up. Then it goes down. Then it goes right back. So it's it's this this is one of the most American problems that I've seen. Racism is an international problem, but like African Americans getting killed like this out of um, out of like uh, just because of the way that they look by the police too. But the law enforcement, this is a very American issue and something that it's not like the world needs to come together to fix. No, America needs to fix this problem and they need to find a way to fix it fast or, you know, this will just keep on happening. And as far as I can tell, this will just keep on happening. So, yeah. Yeah, Last thing before we stop, I know people want to stop. Um, Yeah, I agree with the Kindle. I don't think anything's going to change. Like people as a society have such a like a short-term memory like think about it um uh, we this george floyd incident just happened and people are already forgetting about ahmaud arbery you know what i mean and nothing happened after that you know what i mean people nobody talks no disrespect but people really don't bring up trayvon martin anymore you know what i mean so it's just gonna incidents are gonna happen people are gonna be outraged it's gonna blow over till another incident happens it's gonna blow over and nothing's gonna change it's kind of sad to say but it's just people have short-term memory, you know. I don't know if it's like the optimist in me, or like just like seeing like how how like crazy these riots are, as opposed to the ones that we've seen for the past few years on um, police brutality. But it, I kind of think that there is going to be something that's going to change. Certainly, like um, like the it's it's like kind of like the mixture of like all the different events that have occurred. And that, like, we might actually receive, like, some legislation that might, that'll make sure that there's better training, that we can, um, like, even something, like, basic as, like, 
within a play, within a like a, a precinct. That precinct, every all the cops have to live within a mile of the place that they're policing. Like something even as basic as that. Like it's let's just make sure that like I guess creating responsible policing. But I don't know. It's just the optimist in me. Um, it's very clear that everybody wants to wrap up. So. Um, this has been a wonderful discussion. This is probably going to be our last episode of the year. Um, after our last episode of the year. And, uh, uh so the soldier tree is signing off. Yep, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yep. See you guys.